Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. It's a challenge to pin down a single reason why the American public health establishment seems so adamantly opposed to e-cigarettes and other safer nicotine products. Arguably, much damage has been done by the relentless stoking of fear and misinformation around nicotine vapes by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the Centers for Disease Control, and nonprofit public health groups like Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, The Truth Initiative, and by foundations like Bloomberg Philanthropies. With so many American lives at stake, what can vaping proponents do to help win this war on vaping? Joining us today to tackle this question is one of the founders of the drug harm reduction movement, Dr. Alex Wodak. Dr. Wodak is a physician specialized in internal medicine, and he's the former director of the Alcohol and Drug Service at St. Vincent's Hospital in Sydney, Australia, where he worked from 1982 to 2012. During his career, Dr. Wodak helped establish Australia's first needle syringe program and first supervised injecting facility when both were pre-legal. He also served as president of the International Harm Reduction Association. Dr. Wodak, thanks for coming on the show. My great pleasure. Before we begin, a quick note for our RegWatch viewers, a bit of a cross-promotion. This episode of RegWatch is part two of our interview with Dr. Wodak. Part one can be found in our RegWatch on GFN News segment. Go to gfn.tv to check it out. Dr. Wodak, let's uh, start with the big question. Here in the U.S., do you think there's actually a war on vaping? Well, there most certainly is a war on vaping, but it seems that there are strong forces on both sides. It's very volatile and moves backwards and forwards. Uh, I think in the long run, uh, it's going to end in the right way. We have to remember that the corresponding battles with harm reduction and drug law reform in the United States, uh, also uh, the United States was um, of paramount importance in this battle around the world as the instigators and the, uh, the, the nation that really propagated this system around the world and entrenched it. Uh, and uh, uh, undoing that system, reversing that system in the United States was incredibly difficult. But uh, eventually the United States did start that process and it's been really well underway for uh, over a quarter century now, and is clearly going to continue reversing. Uh, so I'm confident that we'll see the same kind of process with tobacco harm reduction in the United States as well. Now we've had Ethan Nadelman on the show a couple of times. Obviously, you guys are that group of people that made that happen, that really fought uh, the U.S. war on drugs. Are you at all surprised to see... Um, the U.S. spins so out of control over just nicotine? It doesn't surprise me at all. Um, 30 years ago this year, George Soros invited uh, Ian to lunch to discuss the war on drugs, and and that uh, that lunch has had um, uh, uh, very important consequences all around the world. Um, the fight for harm reduction, for drug harm reduction in Eastern Europe uh, happened because of that. And, uh, uh, and that lunch unleashed uh, forces that began to unravel drug prohibition in the United States. Uh, unfinished business, but um, a lot has happened in the 30 years uh, since George Soros invited Ethan Nagelman to lunch. Um, 
and to discuss the war on drugs. And we'll see something like that happen. Uh, the moment, though, we have, the billionaires are lined up to support uh, nicotine prohibition, uh, eradicating nicotine from not just planet Earth, but from uh, the, the galaxy and the solar system. Um, and so we have not only Michael, Michael Bloomberg, but also Bill Gates, and in Australia, Andrew Forrest, um, and there are other extremely wealthy people uh, who fund, generously fund, uh, nicotine prohibition and uh, tobacco harm reduction denialism. Um, and they're going to lose. It's as simple as that. Um, and no country is more important in this battle than the United States. Um, that's ground zero for this battle. Um, uh, and they'll lose in the United States as they'll lose in most other countries. There'll, there'll be some countries that, some stalls that uh, hang on to nicotine prohibition for a long, long time. Um, and probably they'll go eventually as well. But the critical country, I think, even more important than the United States is probably China. Why China? Because uh, China produces 43% of the world's cigarettes. It's got the largest um, tobacco market in the world. Um, it's got the biggest uh, uh, tobacco company in the world, the China National Tobacco Corporation. Uh, and, uh, and the China National Tobacco Corporation holds more tobacco harm reduction patents than uh, any other company or any other country in the world. Uh, that's a recent development, not well known. Uh, it can only mean that uh, the China National Tobacco Corporation is waiting for its chance to uh, switch uh, from combustible cigarettes to something that's more sustainable uh, and much less deadly. So I think that would happen in China and uh, as in many other things, once China decides to make that switch, uh, the debate is over in the rest of the world. And I think that'll happen. Um, China, uh, well, this is not well known. I've worked in China. Um, China was actually uh, eventually quite pragmatic about drugs, illicit drugs as well. China was uh, worried, rightly worried about the um, grave consequences, potential consequences of uncontrolled HIV epidemic beginning among people who inject drugs and spreading to the west of the population. So eventually China adopted and expanded you know, syringe programs and methadone treatment. Um, and if you look at China uh, um, since the 1949 revolution, China uh, has this battle between the purest ideologues and the pragmatic uh, uh, characters. Um, and generally, the pragmatists win those battles. Uh, Deng Xiaoping, who said that it doesn't matter whether the cat is black or white as long as it catches the mouse. Uh, and that's what harm reduction is about. Um, harm reduction uh, doesn't make waste time on moral judgments. Um, uh, harm reduction gets around to the business of effectively achieving its objectives and reducing harm. Um, so this switch is going to happen 
And it'll happen in the United States, it'll happen in China, it'll happen in most other countries. Now, should U.S. regulators pay more attention to the just-released nicotine vaping in England 2022 evidence update, and, and why? Well, that's a very significant development, this uh, uh, most comprehensive review yet of the evidence available. Uh, and the results are pretty sweeping. Uh, all the things that uh, tobacco harm reduction advocates have been saying for years uh, have been uh, verified. And all the things that the tobacco harm reduction deniers have been claiming uh, have been rejected. Um, it's, uh, and in categorical terms, it's, it's not ambiguous on these points. Uh, look, the, the evidence um, is clear. Uh, the evidence favors tobacco harm reduction and sooner or later, uh, and it favors it very, very strongly. And sooner or later, the opponents will just have to accept that. As they ended up doing, the harm reduction opponents ended up doing for methadone treatment, for needle syringe programs, for all the other drug harm reduction interventions. When they were new, they were uh, opposed to the maximum, uh, and eventually they've been accepted. Dr. Wodak, over our two interviews now, I'm getting kind of the sense that opponents to vaping or opponents to uh, drug harm reduction may pick and choose amongst the science about which paper to believe and which to discount. Yes, the, the, the science takes a while to work out, um, but I think the science is already clear. Um, need more evidence, but the evidence we have is enough to make the policy decisions. We're dealing with the death of 8 million people from smoking worldwide, and we shouldn't forget also the deaths of uh, the, the large number of deaths from people who chew crude uh, forms of oral tobacco. And many of those are women because in uh, South Asia and uh, other parts of the world, um, smoking is stigmatized for women. So the women very often chew crude forms of oral tobacco and get head and neck cancer instead. Uh, so we have, we have to keep our eye on that focus as well. But uh, the bigger problem is the problem related to smoking. And uh, we, we now have a century, we now have the luxury of uh, four great harm reduction options that are attractive, effective, safe, uh, uh, inexpensive, um, and really all that's stopping us from accepting them uh, is our willful blindness or the tobacco controls willful blindness to the evidence and their distortion of the evidence. That's all that's stopping us. Um, and they'll continue screaming that for some time, but like the boy who cried wolf, eventually um, people will realize that they're talking arrant nonsense, which they are. Dr. Wodak, I'd like to ask you about the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. They are the regulator in the U.S. for tobacco products. How would you evaluate what they've done here uh, with safer nicotine products? Well, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration have made fools of themselves. Uh, they've tied themselves in knots. They've painted themselves 
into a corner and it's only a matter of time before the highest echelons of the US administration uh, accept that. And how they're going to deal with that, I don't know, but they'll really have to start all over again. Um, and the most important thing is to focus on what the objective is. And let's remind ourselves that the objective uh, isn't to kick big tobacco in the cojones. Um, the objective is to reduce uh, smoking-related deaths, the cancers, the heart disease, the lung disease, to reduce those as rapidly as possible. And in countries where uh, good harm reduction options are readily available, um, we see that the smoking rate declines much faster than in countries where the vaping rate or the, the rate of using harm reduction options is much lower. We've had this evidence clearly available uh, for a long time in Sweden, for example, uh, and now we have this evidence also available in the United Kingdom and indeed in the United States and in New Zealand and countries like uh, Australia, which have been uh, resistant to tobacco harm reduction, fiercely resistant to tobacco harm reduction, the smoking rate in the last decade has only declined by 0.3% per annum. And it's been much faster in the US, the UK, New Zealand, where the vaping rate is much higher. Uh, and in Sweden, we saw that um, uh, snus, the uh, pasteurized oral, moist oral tobacco, which has been available for well over a century and very popular amongst Swedish men and banned in every other European Union country. We saw that uh, compared to European Union men, Swedish men had the lowest smoking rate, the lowest rate of smoking-related disease and the lowest rate of smoking-related death uh, by a substantial margin. Uh, and now that uh, has spread to Norway and the Norwegian women have taken up snus, and since the Norwegian women have switched from uh, smoking to snus, we've seen the smoking rate plummet in New Zealand, uh, in Norway, amongst the women. And in New Zealand, uh, they changed their policy in August 2020. The four major political parties all supported that change. Uh, was negotiated with their First Nation people in New Zealand called the Māori. Uh, was done in collaboration with them, with the people from, uh, plenty of people from the Pacific Islands in New Zealand was negotiated. They were part of the process of the discussion they had. And the smoking rate in New Zealand since August 2020 is falling like a stone, uh, including amongst the Maori and amongst the Pacifica. Um, so it's, it's very clear what's happening. Um, and uh, the, uh, the problem is the uh, resistance to, to these facts. Um, and that won't last forever. So in the U.S., and you, you, I think you perfectly put this, it almost in a way, um, despite tobacco control and FDA and CDC's effort, despite their best efforts to kill vaping, 
vaping in the United States is such a massive market and, and the market there is so huge. Just, you know, the total market, the, the entrepreneurship, the freedom and the liberty and so forth. Vaping has almost become too big to fail. Look, the arguments for uh, tobacco harm reduction, uh, we, we focus on the health issues, but they're not the only arguments. There are arguments that appeal to people of every political uh, um, characteristic. So uh, they're the, the libertarians are attracted understandably to the issue that how can a government take away your liberty to uh, choose a safer option, a less risky option compared to smoking. It's indefensible. Uh, and the libertarians on this issue, absolutely right. Um, uh, there's also a strong social justice element to this debate, or there should be. Uh, smoking is much uh, more common amongst people who have low income, uh, the people who are disadvantaged, uh, vulnerable, um, they have higher smoking rates and will smoke more cigarettes per day. Um, uh, and, the, and vaping and other harm reduction options are only a fraction of the cost of cigarettes. So there's good reason for low income people to migrate from high cost cigarettes to low-cost tobacco harm reduction, just for economic reasons. And why shouldn't they do it, particularly when there are cost of living pressures rising in many countries, inflation rising in many countries now. So they're good economic forces uh, for social justice. And finally, we should also recognize the important environmental aspects to this debate. Uh, it's been I've been distressed that we have forgotten how important smoking is as a pollutant of land and our beaches and our rivers and our marine environments. Um, and indeed, um, cigarette smoke impairs air quality. Uh, discarded cigarettes are an important cause of fires, including domestic fires. Um, uh, so uh, vaping isn't uh, isn't free of risk to the environment, but surely the, the cost to the environment is much smaller uh, than cigarettes. So whatever your politics, there are powerful arguments um, for, for people to consider uh, tobacco harm reduction seriously. Uh, and they, they cover the health, economic and environmental and libertarian uh, fields. In the U.S., Dr. Wodak, there is, seems to be a clear delineation within the parties. It seems that most of the tobacco harm reduction deniers are in the Democratic side. Do you have any thoughts on why that might be the case? Yes, I think that that's uh, not just true of the United States, true of other countries, including my own, that the center-left parties tend to be more suspicious of tobacco harm reduction. And I think the, uh, the centre-right parties have been closer, frankly, to the tobacco industry and the libertarian arguments uh, opposing tobacco control, uh, whereas the centre-left parties uh, very often are 
have been damaged, have been hurt by the appalling behavior, the reprehensible behavior of big tobacco. Over many, many decades, big tobacco has behaved um, indefensibly. And I think many center-left people have been personally affected by that. And so they don't want to hear anything that's somehow connected to that industry. Um, but if we look at most wars end with uh, people sitting around a negotiating table, um, the war in Afghanistan ended with the, the Taliban and the US uh, sitting around the negotiating table in Doha. Uh, and that's how this battle is also going to end, um, that the different uh, people with different viewpoints will sit around and have to sort it out. Um, and there's only one way to sort it out, and that is to allow consumers and producers to shift from deadly products to much safer products. And that'll happen in the U.S. as it'll happen everywhere else. Dr. Wodak, at the end of part one of our interview, which everyone go find it at gfn.tv, you started uh, teasing a little bit about Joe Biden, not President Joe Biden, but Joe Biden in decades past, passing a lot of legislation that was detrimental in the war on drugs to drug harm reduction. What kind of a role, you know, does he might play as president now when it comes to this tobacco harm reduction battle? People like Joe Biden, and there are many people like that, uh, are really caught now because they realize the high cost of drug prohibition and they realize that pragmatic harm reduction and drug law reform is part of that um, uh, is uh, a much better way for everybody uh, to handle the, the drugs issue. It's better for people who use drugs, it's better for their families, and it's better for people who don't use drugs who are members of the same community. And I think Joe Biden is starting to realize that. And once he starts to, to really take that on board, uh, that has to extend to tobacco, which is after all, the deadliest drug we know of. Dr. Wodak, I'd like to ask you next about the US Centers for Disease Control and specifically their role in the so-called E-Valley uh, misrepresentation. Well, uh, this is, for me, a very, very sad uh, episode in the, in the war on tobacco harm reduction because when, when Evali started, so-called Evali started, and was first getting reported, uh, here's what I thought. I thought, uh, this is a new development. You haven't seen it before. Uh, we've got vaping uh, alleged to be responsible that Vaping is vaping nicotine is uh, been uh, adopted in dozens of countries around the world. We've got um, by 2022, we've got 82 million people around the world uh, who are vaping. And suddenly, in just one country, people are reporting something that they allege is a side effect of vaping nicotine. That made no sense to me whatsoever. And then I could see the uh, 
opponents of tobacco harm reduction wrapping this up uh, for all they were worth. Uh, one of the opponents in Australia said this was the canary in the coal mine, that this was the first of many uh, terrible, serious consequences of vaping nicotine that we were going to start hearing about. And uh, unfortunately, the um, scientific authorities have traduced their credibility, um, trashed their, their reputations, scientific reputations. It'll take decades to recover from this. They, they have uh, gone with the politics, not with the science. And I can understand that the political pressures uh, on them were immense. Um, and so one by one, I think uh, the, uh, the credible scientists have accepted what was clear to me from the outset, that this had nothing to do with vaping nicotine, and it had everything to do with uh, vaping cartridges, illicit cartridges of uh, tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, cannabis, um, and that this was a problem in the black market system of um, distributing the cannabis cartridges in the United States. Um, we now understand the whole phenomenon very well, why uh, that... Um, vitamin E acetate oil uh, was so problematic because it, uh, uh, it once it, it uh, got across into the lungs and came down, the temperature came down again, uh, it solidified into back into oil and the lungs couldn't cope with that. So this was a, a serious lung injury and unfortunately in the case of about 70 people caused their death and caused uh, over 2,000 hospitalizations, all in the United States. The cases in Canada, UK and Australia are very questionable. Um, and uh, so it, essentially it boils down to an epidemic, uh, short-lived, thankfully, uh, in just one country out of the dozens of countries where vaping nicotine exists. Uh, and out of the million, tens of millions of people vaping nicotine. So it was pretty clear to me straight away that this wasn't going to be due to vaping nicotine, and that's been confirmed. Now, if there is one single thing that people we talk to across the entire globe, whether even in the UK, anywhere in Europe, in Asia, and so forth, if you ask them what is the single biggest reason why vaping has taken a hit, it's always Evalley. Yes, it is reprehensible. Um, but um, I've been involved in the, the, the illicit drugs prohibition area for a long time. And um, this is typical of the war on drugs, and now it's typical of the war on vaping, that uh, uh, science is one of the uh, casualties of uh, of these wars um, that uh, uh, people do their long-term reputations no good at all by um, valuing the politics more than the science and the science is crystal clear on this issue it's it's settled as as any scientific issue can ever be most americans now incorrectly believe that e-cigarettes are just as harmful or more harmful than cigarettes 
U.S. U.S. health organizations, or have they been unethical here? That doesn't surprise me, uh, and it doesn't unduly depress me, um, because I, I saw the same thing happen over decades after decade uh, with uh, the war on cannabis, where the most appalling scientific misinformation was uh, disseminated by uh, august authorities, um, even though it was nonsense, and people knew it was nonsense at the time. But uh, look, if you, if you want to get a promotion or if you want to get a research grant funded and approved, um, if you want to get invited to a prestigious committee or um, uh, have a great career, um, that's the way to do it. And nobody actually said that to people like me, but it was pretty obvious that that was the case. I didn't fall for it. Uh, many of my colleagues did. Um, and I got used to the fact that that's how people operate, not how I operate. That's how pe many people operate. Uh, and um, that's not how this movie is going to end. This movie will end with uh, um, vaping and other harm reduction options being eventually uh, sensibly regulated according to how risk is done. And they're only a fraction of the risk of cigarettes. Dr. Wodak, how do we get American advocates to be able to affect the FDA when the FDA can't even get their own policy straight when it comes to something like Juul? Essentially, the FDA and the CDC are uh, taking political instructions. Uh, and the political instructions may be tacit, but nevertheless, they, they read the message. Eventually, what will happen is the politicians will accept the inevitable and, uh, and realize this is nonsense. And once they do that, then FDA, CDC, and other similar kind of organizations will change their tune. Uh, there's nothing much that uh, advocates can do in beating the FDA and CDC over the head um, until the politicians change their tune. Uh, that's what has to happen. That's what will happen. Um, look, I, uh, as a young man, I took an obsessional interest in the Vietnam War. Uh, I was in my late teens and early 20s, and I read voraciously. And I came to the conclusion that um, there was just no way in the world that the US and its allies, including Australia, uh, could win. They were going to lose. Uh, and indeed, that's what happened. And presidents and secretaries of defense and, uh, and my prime minister and uh, uh, establishment people said, no, no, it's going to end with, the, um, with, with America prevailing. Well, it was nonsense. And it was a big lesson for me because I learned that if I really studied a subject that I thought was important and I came to a minority view, uh, there was a good chance I might be right. And indeed that's happened uh, a few times. And that's why I took a decision which was quite risky for me personally to uh, resort to civil disobedience with my colleagues on uh, needle syringe programs and with drug consumption rooms, 
that's why I took those decisions. I was convinced I was right. Uh, and I was convinced the establishment view would collapse. Um, and uh, eventually the politicians decided that uh, the establishment view was unsustainable and it collapsed. Um, that's what's going to happen here. So it's a matter of uh, people like us uh, prevailing upon the politicians, especially uh, smokers, ex-smokers, vapors, ex-vapors. They've got a, a, a powerful voice. And indeed, in uh, late January 2020, uh, when the Secretary of Health and Human Services tried to contact the then President Trump and warn him about a new pandemic in China. Uh, President Trump, in a phone call, President Trump didn't want to hear anything about this new pandemic in Wuhan. Uh, he wanted to talk to his Secretary of Health and Human Services about what he perceived as the political risk to him of vapors. He had been given information about how vapors were, many vapors were single issue voters, and they didn't like what the US administration was doing about vaping. That's how to change things. Uh, vapors becoming politically energized and active. That's what we've got to do. And when I talk about vapors, I mean all those groups, the, the smokers, the ex-smokers, the vapors, the ex-vapors. That's what's going to make a difference. Um, and the sooner that happens, the better.